Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is Neil Fishman. Neil is truly an amazing person, as you'll quickly see his power, passion, and influencing abilities. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of choosing your school board members, as Neil is running for a seat on the Boulder County School Board. You know, this is a little different than my other podcasts, because I don't do politically motivated kinds of podcasts. However, school board positions are not political, they're not partisan, and certainly education is dear to my heart. So let's learn a little bit about Neil. He's a native Coloradoan, having grown up in Denver, and he's the middle kid in a family of five. He earned both a bachelor's and master's degree from CU Boulder in geology, and since he has been an award-winning research geologist who remains actively working in geology, although he reportedly is supposed to be retired. Neil owes his many professional successes to his public school education, which includes K through 12, as well as undergraduate and graduate degrees. When not working on geological projects, he has spent much of his adult life working locally or regionally on social justice issues, ranging from HIV prevention and education to diversity, to environmental causes. Neil has also served in leadership positions, including both treasurer and president on the board of the Boulder County Age Project, where he helped to expand HIV services in the local community. Neil has also worked collaboratively to develop and implement the City of Boulder's Valuing Diversity Program, as well as the Boulder County uh, Health County Department's only one project. Neil is currently the chair of the Out Boulder County Advocacy and Public Policy Committee. He also served the University of Colorado as a member of the CU President's Blue Ribbon Commission on Diversity, as well as being a member and chair of the CU Geology Department's Advisory Board. He served in a number of leadership positions in international and geoscientific professional organizations during his professional career. This whole issue of the importance of school board members really came light to me uh, in 2022, where Neil successfully helped to guide the Colorado State Board of Education to adopt equitable and inclusive social studies standards for all public schools in Colorado 
K through 12. So I'm just thrilled to have you on today, Neil. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to sit here and a little bit and to talk with you about school boards and um, their role and what they're all about. Yeah, so let's talk about, you know, what is the role of the school board in our public school district? Yeah, that, that's really a fundamental issue that actually a lot of people don't fully understand. And um, I'm helping to try and make sure that people within uh, the Boulder Valley School District area this year do understand what is the role of the school board. So first off, let's provide a little context. Um, by Colorado statute, that means by Colorado law, School board elections occur in odd numbered years, which is why we are having an election in 2023. And as you previously mentioned, these are nonpartisan positions. Uh, so anybody and, uh, and anybody actually can run for uh, a position on the school board. As of 2023, again, in the state of Colorado, um, an interesting fact is that there are 179 public school districts. And in those 179, school districts, there are over 883,000 students that are being taught. Um, interesting also is that 146 of those districts, so about 81% of all of the districts in the state of Colorado, are considered either rural or small rural. And rural is defined as a district with fewer than 6,500 students. And small rural is defined as a district with fewer than 1,000 students. So combined, these 146 rural and sub-rural districts actually only have about 15% of the students that attend Colorado's public schools. So you can imagine that there are some differences in how districts are run across the state. And that is what makes it so important for people to step up and run for a seat on the school board. Well, that's so, so with that, interesting. Uh, yeah, you know, I was going to say 81% being rural. I mean, we think of our big city <laughs> districts, uh, Denver, Cherry Creek, Littleton, Douglas County, Boulder County, and all the other ones that we don't even know the names on. Uh, that's right. Influencing our kids. Um, so that we don't even have any idea what some of the policies are in rural areas, do we? Uh, no, we don't. And I would venture a guess that we don't even know what some of the policies are in the big school districts as well. We don't find out until something happens and <laughs> and find out they haven't right. been addressed. Actually. That's right. That's right. Or yeah. in some cases, they're on the books, but they're not implemented fully. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about the climate in schools right now. Um, and then it'll help us understand why you want to run for a school board position. Sure. So, so, and, and just to be clear, we're not talking about the air conditioning and heating in the schools. We're talking about the <laughs> environment in the schools. It's, it's funny because I have used that term in the past and on more than one occasion, somebody said, well, what are you talking about with the climate in the schools? And so I'm talking about um, the, the environment, um, the, 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 the climate of what it's like to be in the school um, surrounded by a Bunch of other people. Um, and overall, from the perspective of climate, um, I believe we have a responsibility to create a safe and supportive environment so that all kids, um, especially those who are um, more susceptible to uh, unfortunate kinds of things like bullying, um, can actually learn um, and 
be not fearful uh, of being who they are. One of the biggest problems in school districts, including the Boulder Valley School District, which is what I'm running for, but elsewhere in the state, one of the biggest problems is bullying. Um, and that can have be harmful and have lifelong effects on a kid's emotional and psychological well-being. Um, bullying, of course, can lead to fear and thereby negatively have an impact on a child's ability to learn and perform. It can also lead to social isolation um, of things like low self-esteem and even depression. And so kids who are experiencing bullying in their schools may feel helpless, anxious, and unhappy, and some may even resort to self-harm, and we don't want that at all. Well, but there are other... Yeah. That's for sure, and I was going to just ask you, I mean, I think all of us have known of situations of bullying. Many of us probably experience it ourselves in the school district. Um, do you have any specific you know, stories or incidents that uh, come to mind of bullying and, you know, how it might be, you know, appropriately handled and how it might not be appropriately handled? Yeah, well, um, certainly appropriately being handling it appropriately um, would presumably be laid out in a school district bullying policies. I know that certainly is the case in my school district. There's some very significant um, policy statements and issues that are outlined clearly. And that includes, by the way, cyberbullying, not just bullying people um, in a place one-on-one uh, -on -one or one on several students, but actually cyberbullying as well. Uh, and, um, and I am fully aware actually of incidents where kids have attempted to get um, the bullying that they were experiencing resolved um, by the schools. And it's, it's a fairly straightforward process as long as you understand the process and everybody needs to understand what re is required to uh, initiate a process of, of improving a kid's experiences in school if they are being bullied. Um, there are, however, cases where the the process was not either fully implemented or really kind of fell flat. And that led to um, multiple examples of kids having to move out of one school and into another in the hopes that the relentless bullying that they were experiencing um, would be reduced hopefully to zero. And I'm aware of cases where that has indeed been the case, that, that leaving a school and going into a different school where the climate is very different um, has led to a more successful outcome for some of the kids who have been experiencing bullying. Yeah, the, that's, the same goes back. that's really outrageous. That has to happen. And uh, do you happen to know, is that a State Department of Education process written in or does each school district have to have? You know, implement, uh, create, and implement their own bullying process. Well, there there are overarching guidelines from the state, um, but at the end of the day, the district is responsible. Each district is responsible for developing and implementing their own policies, such as a policy against bullying. And so, it really comes to, and I would say that the the, the individual district is also responsible for implementing fully their policies. Got it. Well, bullying, I think, is a great example of the issues of lack of equity and inclusion. You know, 
bullying separates somebody out for whatever the reason could be. It could be a multitude of reasons. But, you know, share a little bit more about the climate of equity and inclusion in, in the school systems these days. Yeah. So I, I can speak specifically about the Boulder Valley School District, the one that I'm running for. Um, it has actually led the nation in creating safe schools for all students, including LGBTQ students, um, by developing and implementing progressive policies. But it's really important at this point to also recognize that the current climate in our country, and even in parts of Colorado, runs counter to our approach. Um, as you're aware, and, and it's going on as we speak, legislation including anti-transgender laws, book banning, eradicating progressive prog uh, programs, such as diversity, equity, inclusion efforts are surfacing all, all around us in the US. And these are dangerous actions, I feel, happening in our country that directly affect many of the kids. And again, we're getting back to the kids um, we have in our schools who identify as a member of these targeted groups. And that is creating intense trauma and fear for these kids and that's, of course, a huge problem for them and for the people who serve on the school boards who are charged with the well-being of students. And in addition, these types of regressive actions also have had a direct effect on the teachers insofar as they are caught between these regressive actions and teaching the curriculum outlined by the district. And so we've got a very complex matter where Social issues are being uh, questioned and and a lot of action is being taken around the country. And it's leaving our kids and the teachers that teach them in a very compromised position. And that is not at all conducive to create a good learning environment for the kids and a teaching environment for the teachers. Well, that's for sure. And there's one added la uh, layer of the significant pressure that then puts on a school board member. That's right. In complying to, you know, where the state is in, in their own um, take on equity and, and inclusion and bring it into schools. And, and um, cause I, I, I've seen some school board members be sued for uh, creating policies as easy as what we thought should be a slam dunk um for COVID, yeah, you know, the policy on that, and and school boards were fighting and removed and changed, and so there's huge pressure on uh, people that we always thought were true family kinds of folks that really want to make a difference in the world of education are now almost in danger at times for uh, trying to implement uh, the values of what the district uh, wants to have for their kids. Uh, you know, and I would add to that that, and it happened in in my school district here just a, a couple years ago, during the middle of the pandemic, there were um, three board members who were being targeted for recall, um, and although it was ultimately unsuccessful, um, it led to a lot of consternation on the part of the school board, the superintendent, the school policies, the kids, and the teachers, and. To my mind, it just was, that was an unacceptable kind of an environment um, that was being overlain on what the teachers were trying to do in the schools, which was to teach the kids. Yeah, we forget what the purpose of the schools are sometimes. 
uh, <laughs> with all of this other distraction and, and, and banning and things. And, and I know, especially, you know, book banning is just appalling to me. Uh, it seems like we're going back and by decades of time, uh, of freedom of press and speech and all those kinds of things. Has, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Has book banning, uh, been significant here in Colorado? You want to speak to that? Um, so the threat of it is persistent. Um, and it depends on where you are in the state as to the degree to which that um, is occurring. However, um, just the mere notion that it could happen, um, recognizing that it is happening around us. And so Colorado kind of continues to be a little bit of an island of, of uh, I'll call it a, a breath of fresh air, um, but it's all around us. And to not consider the pressure that the rest of the country is having just by association by being in the country here uh, on Colorado um, is, a, a, I think, a dangerous place to be. We need to recognize that this is going on all around the country. And most interestingly, I don't think I've talked to uh, individual or individuals in my um, discussions with people as I've been um, uh, working on my campaign, where before I even have a chance to bring that up, that as part of my platform, um, I would not um, adhere to any kind of an approach to banning books. People bring that up to me, that that's their concern. And I agree. Um, it's my concern as well. And so it's on the minds of many, many people um, here, even in Boulder. You know, Boulder has a reputation uh, for being rather liberal. But, but a lot of people, they read the newspaper, they listen to the news, they understand what's going on all around the country. And they recognize that that also puts pressure in places like Colorado where it wouldn't have existed or shouldn't exist. Yeah, boy, that's interesting. Well, was there a specific incident or issues that really prompted you to seriously consider running for the school board position? Um, yes, th there was. Um, and uh, I'll elaborate on that. But I also want to say that um, I have a couple of of reasons for why specifically I am running. First of all, uh, I'm the product, as you mentioned earlier, I'm the product of the uh, public school system. My elementary, middle, and high school education, as well as my undergraduate and graduate degrees are from public schools. And in also, my daughter is also a graduate uh, K through 12 of the public schools. So I'm an ardent supporter of the public schools and an education that a person can get in them. And I want to make sure that public schools continue to provide well into the future all kids with a great education because we all want an educated society. But I also had a very memorable experience that solidified my what I consider to be my call of action or call to action. And although I, as you've outlined, I've always enjoyed being involved in social justice issues um, at the local level. Um, in fact, I've worked at the local level for many decades. And so it was a natural extension of my local social justice work to consider running for the school board. Um, after all, what's more local than kids in schools? But right. the call to action, the call to action came last year during and after my involvement in the process to create and implement a new set of, of inclusive social studies standards that were being developed for all public schools in Colorado. Ultimately, while I've contributed just a small part in what was a successful 
effort on the part of the Colorado State Board of Education to adopt equitable and inclusive social studies standards. But I also realized that I couldn't take anything for granted. And it was not a good idea to assume that things will go the way you feel that they should. So I decided to roll up my sleeves and run for an open seat on our local school board. And I felt that I wanted a seat at the table to keep our schools, the Boulder Valley School District on track. And so that's probably a long answer to the question of why I've chosen to uh, set my sights on running for the school board. No, it's really great, Neil, because that's usually what gets us in action is that you experience something personally that really touches your heart. And when they're banning, you know, the full scope of what we know as history and, and they're banning parts of that and trying to write, rewrite history to look a certain way. I mean, that's so dangerous. And that's something that's been happening over years. And, uh, you know, it's a trigger and that's really important. And we need people like you then to take action to make sure that we assure that our kids have equitable and inclusive um, environment, climate, as well as academics. Uh, we're going to take a break here for just a minute. When we come back, we really want to learn more about your platform and what you're hoping to accomplish when you're elected. Okay, so we'll be right back. Dr. Lin will be right back after this. Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight.
Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Welcome back. We've been talking to Neil Fishman, who is running for a seat on the Boulder County School Board. And he's really given us a great overview of, you know, the importance of school board members. They're just not somebody that randomly just appears on ballots. You don't care about who you vote for. When When you do that, which I've done for years, I'm sorry to say, then we're appalled when schools start changing policies that we greatly disagree in. So thanks, Neil, for, you know, beginning to enlighten us. We've all known it, but we just haven't been paying attention to the importance of being on a school board. So I'm assuming and uh, that you will be elected. And Thank you. Thank you. What are you hoping to accomplish? And tell us more about your platform. Um. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about that. I, I do want to uh, step back again and, and provide a little context because this is really an important driver um, in everything that will be happening in many of the school districts in Colorado. So declining enrollment is occurring in approximately half of the school districts in Colorado, including the big districts up and down the front range. In my school district, we are experiencing a declining enrollment, and we have been doing that over the past several years. And it began before the pandemic, and it continues to the present. And we are, in my district, again, projecting the decline to continue at a rate of about 1.5% per year for the next five years. This is a very serious matter because funding for any district is directly linked to the student population by virtue of the budget that is being largely built on a model of funding per pupil. We're not alone here in the Boulder Valley School District or the Front Range. And in fact, enrollment is declining in public schools all across the U.S. And some of the reasons for that declining of enrollment vary from declining birth rates in the U.S. to the high cost of living, which we are experiencing here in Colorado, most certainly in the Front Range, to decreases in uh, in immigration, um, and to the what I call the COVID, post-COVID new order. Um, And there's also an increase in homeschooling and parents sending their kids to private schools. All of that is putting pressure on the public school system and the enrollment numbers for the public school system. Uh, And a most discouraging reason is that for some families, particularly the ones that the pandemic hit so hard economically, and that resulted either them losing wages or their jobs completely. Those families, some of them have become homeless and the kids pulled out of the schools completely. We're still trying to rebound from that as it relates to the pandemic and post-pandemic world. So all of the work that I wanna see that happens needs to be accomplished within the overarching environment of declining enrollment and hence declining budgets. But specifically what I hope to accomplish 
is, as we've talked earlier, improve the climate in the schools so that bullying and things like sexual assault and other adverse person-to-person -person actions uh, are reduced. I also want to solidify equity and inclusion so that the schools are truly safe and welcoming to all, emphasis on all kids. I'd also want to enhance the mental well-being of kids um, in the schools, which of course mental well-being is at critical level levels. I seek to maintain a strong curriculum while further decreasing the achievement gap between kids of color and their white counterparts, as well as a further decrease in disproportionate discipline, which is also happen happening at greater rates for kids of color compared to their white counterparts. And as we've already talked about, I wanna prevent actions like book banning and anti-inclusion, anti-LGBT type of policies from taking hold and truly undermining our existing progressive policies. So that's in kind of a nutshell, um, what my platform is all about within the context of where we are um, from the perspective of budgets. Well, thank you, Gail. That's very lofty goals, very inclusive, and you got your work cut out for you. Uh, yeah. You had mentioned, and uh, you know, really hits home for me with the COVID and education, because I'm seeing so many kids now, like in third, fourth, fifth grade, who they're, you know, kindergarten, first, second grade were during the COVID times, and boy, have they missed educational opportunities. Not their fault, not the parents' mm -hmm. fault. But, you know, just what happened, and you know, trying to learn online, and millions of reasons why. And um, I did not know that, you know, like homeschooling is still up. I know that picked up during COVID time, but um, didn't know it. And working with so many of these kids that have vision and learning problems, you know, I see it from that perspective. You're looking at it from the parent's perspective of loss of job and uh, income. And together, it makes for a very unhealthy situation for kids uh, to, to try to catch up. Yeah. And that's yeah. just one of the many distractions that uh, school boards. And then it's so interesting when you talk about the declining numbers, which then directly impacts the budget, which then directly impacts the services and the kids. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. There's, an, there's another thing that has been kind of surfacing in my discussions, particularly with teachers and paraeducators. Um, and I would venture a guess that if I talk to some of the other support staff in the schools and, and including the bus drivers, I get the same comments. And that is that since the pandemic, um, since the kids went back to school during the pandemic and since um, um, this last school year as well, there's an increase in problems with discipline in general. I mean, um, and I think, and this is kind of speculation on my part, but I think that a year or so behind a monitor led to some problems, um, developmental problems perhaps for kids where um, it's different now that they're back in school and, and behavior um, may have been in better check before the pandemic than is the state now. And so we're having increased problems. Teachers are having increased problems um, with the behavior of kids in the classroom in person when they're teaching in person. And it's it's been increasing, I guess, over the years based on some of the comments I've heard from teachers, but they've noticed a very significant difference 
post-pandemic in kids' behavior um, since we've been back in the schools in person. Yeah, and I have seen that through my own kind of referral and educational and psychological resources that, you know, being accountable, uh, being responsible, being respectful. I mean, a lot of these values have just melted away. And, and and part of the problem is a lot of great teachers I've worked with for years have left the system. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they never sign on to teach online and that's not their fault. That's not the school's fault, but that's what happened. And then coming back and trying to patch up and, you know, Many of the kids that I saw, if they had great family support and parents were home and working with them, some of them thrived during the pandemic. I mean, some of these kids that are really bright and they want all the time in the world to do their work, they thrived. But those kids that were, you know, especially kind of borderline hanging on to all the way to special needs really went downhill on this. And that's just on the academic experience and behavioral side of things. So again, you know, our schools are our life lifeline to these people growing up to be the adults who are going to run our world. And so, yes. yeah, so it, it is a critical mission. And I, I so, so agree with you on that. Um, before we wrap up now, what else would you like to share for our listeners? Well, I, I, I really believe that um, there's a real critical issue with the mental well-being of kids um and we we have to take that really really seriously we've talked about it a little bit already that mental well-being really is a, at the heart of a lot of stresses and traumas that kids experience and and working on that um and helping kids to overcome some of these challenges is really a place where i see a lot of future work and I mentioned, of course, that we have declining enrollment and declining budgets as a result. And so I think that there are means and mechanisms in place where we will be able to actually enhance some of the projects and programs that have been launched recently that have been successful um, in helping kids find a place um, of comfort in the school during the middle of the day when they're, um, for whatever reason, feeling stressed out. And so I think we need to be paying attention to some of those really important um, solutions to problems that are not going to go away, whether we have declining enrollment or increasing enrollment. And that means in declining budgets or increasing budgets. This is a problem um, that we need to be paying very close attention to. And we're doing that legislatively a bit in the state of Colorado. A lot more can be done. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, this is our future. This is the country's future. And these are our kids that are suffering from some of these problems. And it behooves us all, I believe, to pay attention to it and to really uh, focus on how we can change things for the better so that our kids are in a much better place to be able to learn and grow. So well said. You know, one last question here. If, if you had magic a magic pair of glasses to see the world through the lens of clarity, courage, and confidence. What would your world look like? My world would look like a place that um, we don't have to work on social justice because everybody would have an equal footing for economic 
political and social rights and opportunities. And when we're all able to do that and work within that environment, I think a lot of our concerns will be allayed. So nicely said. I want those glasses, Neil. Yeah, <laughs> so do I. Myself. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll have to come see you soon to, to get my own prescription. There you go. <laughs> so uh, if our listeners want to be able to reach you, what's the best way to contact you, Neil? So you can uh, contact me through my website. Uh, my web address is Neil, capital N-E-I-L, the number four, and then the initials bvsd.com. So that's neil4bvsd.com. Great. And that information will be in our show notes as well. Great. Thank you. And, you know, I I do need to actually, uh, full disclosure for myself, I've known Neil for 67 years. You might wonder how that happened. Well, Neil is my younger brother, but I can (laughs) attest to Neil's professionalism, his integrity, his passion, his passion. Neil has really taught me what it means to be an advocate and what it's like and what you need to do to stand up for people of all different uh, types, colors, religions, genders, uh, race, everything. And Neil, I just thank you for all you have done for the community, for our family, for me personally. And I just look so forward to seeing you now take the next step into really helping hundreds and thousands of kids right now in the Boulder School District really get what they deserve, a school that is equitable, inclusive, with great academics and fun. Thank you very much, Len. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing the results in what's the date of the election? The election is November 7th, 2023. Got it. All right. Well, good luck. Thank you. And to all our listeners, thanks to all of you for joining us today. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.